We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, Packers fans? I am Jacob Westendorf, your host for today. It is March 30th, 2023. No Andy Herman tonight, today. Uh, so if you are upset about that, then please direct all of your vitriol to him. You're stuck with me for today. Uh, so I have a couple things that I wanted to go over with you guys. First of all, to those who celebrate, happy opening day. Most of you that are watching this, I assume, are Brewers fans. I wish you guys luck every year. I root for the Brewers to meet the Yankees in the World Series. Uh, Miller Park's my favorite park in the Midwest area. It's beautiful. It's awesome. There's a lot of good things. And I like quite a few of the Brewers players. So, um, And Luke Voigt, uh, somebody that uh, used to play for the Yankees. I really liked him when he was there. I think you guys will take a liking to him as well. But happy opening day to those who celebrate. If you don't, uh, then just, you know, happy Thursday, whatever it is that uh, that means to you. Unfortunately, Thursday is my least favorite day of the week usually because of the, you know, the Friday Eve thing. I don't, I don't really get into that. Uh, but that that's where we're at. So I got a few things. I got this, this topic is called a six pack of prospects. Uh, so I've got a six pack with a bonus for you. I am off today. So I thought it would be appropriate since I'll be kicking back, drinking a six pack and watching baseball today. Um, but before I do that, I wanted to talk about some football with you guys. And uh, the other thing, before I get to my six pack of prospects that maybe I like a little more than a consensus, or maybe they're just six of my personal favorites at some particular positions. And we'll talk about uh, some of those guys as I get through here. But before I do that, I wanted to talk about Matt LaFleur and his comments. He spoke to the media. Brian Gutekunst did. That's been covered. I don't need to go over that. Um, Andy kind of mentioned he's not interested in the he said. He said, I kind of am, um, but I don't think you guys are. I think that's an older topic by this point. But LaFleur's comments drew some reactions from some people. Uh, one of them, you know, was that he said that we need to temper expectations for Jordan Love. And some people wanted to take that as like they don't think LaFleur believes in him or that he's worried or anything like that. I think the one thing to keep in mind 
is when Matt LaFleur's quarterback was Aaron Rodgers, he would protect him in the media all the time. Um, some people took that as a sign of weakness as saying like, he'll never criticize, but we don't necessarily know that Rogers wouldn't, or that, excuse me, that LaFleur wouldn't do that behind closed doors. But what we do know is he wouldn't do it to the media. And I think objectively, that is a, a good thing. In addition with love, like some of the answers that he gave are kind of like, duh. Like, of course, Jordan Love is not going to be four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers as in his first. Maybe he is, but that seems like an unlikely scenario. And heaping those expectations on a player, you're asking for him to fail uh, if you do something like that. You're asking him to not live up to those expectations. And there's going to be enough of a spotlight on Jordan Love as is fair or unfair. He didn't ask for this. That's just the situation that he is in. I'll be interested to see. Um, you know, I, I've been a Jordan Love critic, I think is the right way to put that. Um, did not like the pick when they made it. It has nothing to do with the fact that it hurt Rodgers' feelings. I don't really care about Aaron Rodgers' feelings in that case. Um, I just wasn't a fan of the prospect. And I've seen nothing over three years to change that opinion. I don't think any of us have. You know, my my staunch take on this has always been, if you liked him coming into the draft, like, you know, my friend Jacob Morley, then you still feel that way. If you didn't like him, then you probably still don't. You know, the, the preseason reps, those don't matter a whole heck of a lot. His start in Kansas City, there's a lot of caveats to that. Even his 10 dropbacks in Philadelphia, there's good things that came in there. But Jordan Love himself, there's a quote Bill Huber's been sharing that says, you know, soft coverage, not pressures, stuff like that. Um, now, that doesn't take away from the fact that, yes, he did look really good in that short stint, but that's really all we have to go off of that and mop up duty. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm always looking forward to the start of the season, but that's, you know, this year even more so, I guess, because there's a, there's a different, there's a wide, wide, wide range of outcomes for this season. You know, you could have, if Jordan Love is really good, the Packers could go 12 and five. And in a conference that doesn't have a clear cut favorite, you know, the Eagles have lost some guys, San Francisco. We don't know who's playing quarterback down the line. Who knows? You know, who knows what could happen? Then the other side of that is if Jordan Love is really bad, the team could go three and 14 and be in contention for the number one overall pick and everybody could get fired and Jordan could be one and done. Um, I think Andy made a really good point on one of his videos the other day is to remember that Jordan Love is not a rookie quarterback. He's a first-year starter, but he's not a rookie, and there's a difference. And I think that there's going to be some kind of standard. And it's going to take a while for us as fans to figure that out. You know, what does that look like as far as those standards? Because, you know, we've been used to high-level, MVP-level quarterback play for the better part of, you know, 15 years and 30, if you want to even go back to uh, Brett Favre's era. So it's going to be interesting to figure that part out. I... Again, I'm just interested to see how it goes. I do not think that Jordan Love is guaranteed two seasons as a starter. That is one line of rhetoric that has kind of emerged on, and this is just my timeline, so take that for what it is. But again, if they're if they're not good and he is not good, and they're in position to take Caleb Williams, Drake, you know, whoever the quarterback is in next year's class, then I do think the Packers number one would take him, and that it's possible someone else is picking him, someone else is coaching him. And that love is only back in green Bay for a second season as a placeholder. And it's because they already picked up his fifth year option, which has to be done here in the next month or so. But I'm interested to see those outcomes, but that's not why we're here. We'll have plenty of time to talk Jordan love and the Packers. Um, 
I, I would like to, I guess, say I don't think the Packers are going to go three and 14 as it sits here. Like, that's not my thought. I still think there's enough talent on this roster to not be the worst team in the NFL. Um, and they were not one of the worst teams in the NFL last year with admittedly below average quarterback play. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what it looks like for 2023. But we got a long way to go before that. So what I wanted to do today is talk about six of my, again, favorite prospects, maybe not consensus top guys. Uh, maybe some guys, and this isn't even necessarily guys I have ranked like number one at the position, just guys that I really like it. Some of them before you go into the comments and say like, this dude doesn't fit these thresholds or whatever. I don't care. Um, I don't rank players with the Packers thresholds in mind. I, I think that is a, a tough way to go about things. Number one, uh, number two, they've bent for those thresholds in the past. Randall Cobb, Jair Alexander, Amari Rogers to some degree. Um, so I, I don't care. Um, that's not how I, how I rank players when I'm watching them. I don't go, well, his arms are too short or something, you know, just to throw something out there. No sense talking about him. Like, I don't think that's fair to the player. And I don't think that's fair to the process. Like the whole goal here for me is to try and see like who I think is a good player, not necessarily who's a good player for green Bay. Although some of these guys I do think would be good players specifically uh, for green Bay. When you put that caveat in here as well. So let's jump right in. I'm going to jump in. At the quarterback position, Green Bay is looking for a longer-term backup quarterback. Danny Etling is the only other quarterback on the roster right now. Andy's talked a bunch. A lot of people have talked about the Packers need to add a veteran as a backup quarterback. Matt Ryan is a name catching some buzz now as we get through uh, this wave of free agency. So maybe he's got some experience with Matt LaFleur. Who knows? Um, a lot of things feel like they're on hold until this Rodgers trade is is completed. But they do need a quarterback, and I do think they'll be in the market of picking one. I do not think that they'll do what they did when Rodgers became the starter and use a top 50 pick on one. Um, I just think that they're going to try and give Jordan Love every possibility of succeeding, which means their first three, four, five picks are going to be guys that will be used to kind of help him grow. That doesn't necessarily mean receivers and tight ends and stuff like that. It could mean a lot of different things. And I'll maybe in a different video, talk about what I think their draft strategy should be. If Andy will let me come back, but the quarterback position is one. I do think they'll pick one this year. They may even add an undrafted free agent as like a training camp arm or something like that as well. Competition for Danny Etling or, or whatever. But my guy for that is Aiden O'Connell from Purdue and not the, most physically gifted player. Uh, he's not going to confuse anybody for Anthony Richardson or somebody like that. Uh, but in terms of backup quarterback, I just think there's some traits that you want to see. Um, and it doesn't always necessarily mean like it, that's not always on the physical level. I think from a tangible and intangible standpoint, he's got a really great story. Um, it's a sad story, but he's able to overcome it, which is great. So check those uh, out on your guys' time. If you get some chances to do that, but Led Purdue to the Big Ten Championship game uh, last year. He has some moxie to him. He has some toughness. I think those are some things that you really look for and value in a backup quarterback situation. And toughness really maybe more so than, than any other because if you're a backup quarterback, that's just a tough situation all around. And that could be physical toughness. That can be mental toughness. I think O'Connell has both. He did play at Purdue, which is kind of a underdog type of school. Um, it's not, they're certainly not favored to win the big 10 West on a year to year basis. They are not favored to win the big 10. They're not favored to win a lot of different things on the football side of things. I just think he did a really good job in that kind of a 
spread offense that they ran with Jeff Brom, distribute the ball to Charlie Jones and, and some of the other weapons that they had in that offense. I think he has enough ability. He threw for over 300 yards in the Big Ten Championship game against a good Michigan defense. I think that is something uh, that displayed some of his skill set and his ability that he has. And I think that he's somebody that could kind of push not Jordan Love to be the starter, but just, you know, see some things that way, help guide him through some of the more difficult situations he might be in. And that's another reason I want a veteran in the room. You know, I think we kind of underrate the value of the quarterback room. You know, I remember this is years and years ago. Well, another good example would be like when the Jets brought in Joe Flacco to be Zach Wilson's third string quarterback. The idea was just, Hey, you're here to help him get ready to be a starter, learn how to be a pro stuff like that. That's why I think a veteran is necessary, but that veteran can help the other backup get ready and groom him to be the backup. So my favorite guy for that is Aiden O'Connell. Sticking in the Big Ten and at a position that is a big need for the Packers, that is Sam Laporta, the tight end. He's my favorite. I have him uh, for the Green Bay Draft Guide, which is powered by Packer Report. You can get that if you Google Gum Road Green Bay Draft Guide. You'll be able to find a copy that you can pre-order for $8.99. It's a PDF file. goes right into your in-basket. Um, I did the how they fit for with the Packers, the tight end position. I did not rank them. So my personal rankings, I have Michael Mayer, one from Notre Dame. I have Dalton Kincaid, two from Utah, and Sam Laporta, I have third. I just think that he played in an offense that asked him to basically be the entire passing offense, which is a difficult way to make a living, admittedly. And he played in an offense that was run poorly by the head coach's son and with a a bad quarterback. And like if you name something stacked against him, it was certainly there. He's got abilities after the catch. He's got abilities as a blocker. He's tough. He's physical. He's something. I think he adds a little something to Green Bay's offense in that way. And I also think that the Packers have been to, and this isn't me with like sourced reporting or anything. It's just stuff that's been reported out there already. The Packers were at Iowa's games a couple different times this year. They could have been looking at Lucas Van Ness. They could have been looking at Riley Moss. They could have been looking at anybody. But Laporta happened to be there as well. The Packers have a a large hole at tight end that needs to be filled. I think Laporta very much could be the guy that that fits that. I think that based on the way I think Matt LaFleur likes or the way I think he would like to use his tight ends, I think that Laporta and Mayer are the two guys that they would like early. As I say, they won't like Luke Musgrave or Darnell Washington or – you know, any of the other guys that could pretend Tucker craft, somebody like that, that could be early. I just think those are the two guys that maybe they're the most well-rounded and that's something the Packers very well may value and LaFleur may value early. And I do think the Packers are going to take a tight end early. That doesn't mean 15 necessarily. I actually don't think it'll be at 15. If you ask me as we sit here right now on March 29th at about 8 30 PM, um, I think that the 15th pick is going to be an offensive tackle or a pass rusher. And I think those are going to be the best available players just based on the way I think about this draft and the way things go down the line here, but we'll see on that. But Laporta, I have him as my third tight end. I really like him. I think he's somebody that could certainly add to this green Bay's offense, this green Bay offense immediately. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball for a few picks uh, that I have here as, as one of the prospects that I really like. And the, the edge group, and I fall in love with an edge group every single year. I fall in love with one or two guys every single year um, in that particular group. I like pass rushers. I think that that is the, the key to your defense is building a strong pass rush. Dominant defenses, I think, more often than not have strong pass rushes. Um, and you can look no further than last year's Super Bowl participants. Uh, Philly's defense was the best pass rush unit in the NFL. San Francisco played them in title game. They have one of the best pass rush units in the NFL. And Kansas City's pass rush with Frank Clark and, and Chris Jones. Those are They had a really good pass rush, um, especially in the playoffs, to put some pressure on those guys. But my guy is Miles Murphy from Clemson. And, and I know, you know, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, I think both of those guys will probably not be available for Green Bay when they're on the clock. Maybe crazier things have happened. Um, but Miles Murphy is there. You know, I know of that next group where you've got him and, and Lucas Van Ness and Nolan Smith, I like Murphy the most. I think he's, he's competitive setting the edge. Uh, he's 21 years old. That's something the Packers have typically valued in the past. The thing that people are worrying about is like his hand size, I'm not saying the measurables don't matter, so don't take me as saying that, but I, I don't think it matters in this case. I think he's got a pass rush plan. He's kind of advanced in that way. He's got some go-to moves already, and I think he would pair very well. He's not the same level athlete as like Rashawn Gary, but I think he would he would go very well with someone like Rashawn Gary uh, for the foreseeable future. And that's something, you know, the edge position, I think is one the Packers have. A, it's not their biggest need by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think it's a need that they have that, Preston Smith, who knows how much longer he's going to be here. Even if he's here next year, you probably prefer him to kind of start sliding into that third pass rusher role. Kingsley and Igbari had a very nice rookie season, but he's a fifth-round rookie. How high is his ceiling? Do you want him to be a starter on a really good defense? I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't maybe he defies the odds on some of that, but I don't know. You know, I think that a guy who can come in and be your third edge rusher as a rookie and then by the end of the season or maybe by his second season as your second guy with Gary, I think that's a pretty big need for the Packers. And, and Murphy is somebody that I think could be a very large boon to this Packers defense. And I do think that it's, I don't want to say likely because I, I hate the whole, Oh, he won't be here. They won't be there. They will be there. Who knows? Oh, I got this guy at 31 in this mock simulation. Like that stuff just doesn't matter that much. Um, I do think though that Murphy, it's it's very possible that he will be there when Green Bay's on the clock at you know 15, 13, depending on how this Rogers trade shakes out. But I really like him. I think he would fit in really well with Green Bay's defense. I think he would bring a competitiveness, especially against the run, which is and he is good at rushing the passer too. That's why he's gonna be a top first round pick type type of thing. 
but the Packers need to develop a, a little bit better of a mentality in terms of stopping the run. Instead of stopping the run on the way to the quarterback, they need to actually eat their vegetables and earn the right to rush the passer. And that's something they haven't done a very good job at uh, since, oh, I don't even know, like Mike Pettin, they didn't stop the run all that well. Um, under Joe Barry, they certainly have not. They didn't really do that with Dom Capers either. Uh, except maybe earlier in his tenure, they might've, but otherwise not really. Um, and one guy they can do that is my next guy. And that's Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle. I am not the originator of the Mozzie Smith hype train. That is Sam Hallman. But obviously you guys, if you followed me a little bit, you know, I'm a Michigan fan. So I've watched Mozzie play for quite a while. And he's just a guy who, if you want to play these lighter boxes and with fewer defensive linemen on the field, then you got to have these guys ability to kind of suck up some blocks and I do think he has some ability as a pass rusher too. He just missed on a couple you know, different plays. He needs to work on finishing, certainly that. But I think he is a day one contributor against the run. He stones guys at the line of scrimmage as far as offensive lineman goes. He's able to shed blocks uh, and make plays at or behind the line of scrimmage. And frankly, Green Bay doesn't have enough plays like that in the run game that they make either at or behind the line of scrimmage. I think there's a lot of runs that turn into four or five-yard gains, and those are like supposed to be wins for this Green Bay defense. You know, the Packers, and I get it, in an ideal world, they want to get uh, into passing situations. Gary Clark, Wyatt, and Preston, and and Barre, or, you know, however they want to do it with rushing the pass. They want their pass rushers on the field. The problem is you have to earn the right to do that, like I mentioned before. And, Mazi, and the Packers' defensive line room is really thin right now. Dean Lowry's gone. Jerron Reed is in, in Seattle. Uh, they could probably use a veteran there, and I think they could use a guy as a an earlier draft pick. You know, that might frustrate some people that that want to see them draft some some toys on offense. But, I mean, they have needs everywhere. And this is not a – I said earlier we weren't going to talk about draft strategy, but since I kind of leaned myself into it, I'll do it. You know, over the last – since the Packers lost to the 49ers in that NFC Championship game, LaFleur's first season as the coach, we've kind of circled in on, like, one position. Like, if Green Bay just fixes this, then they're in a really good position – to get back to the Super Bowl. And most of the time of those years, receivers been in that conversation every year since then. Uh, after they lost to Tampa Bay, the cornerback position was one of them. Receiver was discussed last year, obviously, with the two first-round picks. They didn't do that. Um, they picked Christian Watson. They tried to get him in the first round. That didn't work, whatever. Uh, so it all kind of worked out that way. The, this Packers team is not that way. They're not a position away from competing for a championship. They're not one. And you never really are one player away but they're not in a spot where like, I know this sounds like boring or cliche or whatever, but I really do think green Bay's best bet as far as the draft strategy goes is to take the best available player. And again, that might get frustrating for some people, but maybe that means Jackson Smith and Jigba is on the board and they don't pick him. I do think that's possible. And I don't think that's necessarily malpractice either. You know, the Packers are not a receiver away from and I don't again, I don't think you ever are just a receiver or one player away, but they're not a receiver away from competing for a championship. That's not to say I wouldn't let them or wouldn't like them to pick Smith and Jigba, just as an example. But it is possible he's not the best player on the board. And Green Bay should, in my opinion, maybe that's an offensive tackle. Maybe that's an edge. Maybe that's a defensive lineman. Maybe that's a cornerback, which is a good transition to my next guy. My guy at corner is Devon Weatherspoon from Illinois. Hasn't tested. His offseason has not been the greatest uh, in terms of just hasn't been able to test, working through injuries, stuff like that. But in terms of a, a swagger, an attitude, a tackling ability that you can bring to a defense, I think he is a plug-and-play slot cornerback 
He could potentially transition to safety if a team really wanted to do that. But he has a physicality about him that, frankly, isn't in Green Bay secondary to some degree. Rasul Douglas, kind of. Matt LaFleur said yesterday that Keyshawn Nixon is going to be the team's day one starting nickel. I don't know if I necessarily buy that or it kind of depends on Eric Stokes. That puts some question marks in the secondary, but if Stokes is healthy, it's, I'll be interested to see what they do with Savage and Douglas and how they kind of rotate all these guys around because they did say that they thought Douglas's best position was an outside corner. Well, Eric Stokes's best position is not at slot corner. I can tell you that much. And they don't want, and I don't think they should put Jair Alexander as a slot corner either. But Witherspoon is a guy who can kind of solve some of the problems. You can move a guy to safety. You can do some different stuff with that. But, and not only that, <laughs> when I mentioned swag, like in terms of talking smack, he is top of the line. Um, one of the best in the business at that already. And a, a secondary of him and Jair Alexander. Do you guys remember like, Justin Jefferson's tantrum as Alexander was kind of in his ear throughout the course of the game and like asking for taunting penalties and stuff like that. Like they would break receivers, like just mentally they could break their will. And it would be a a group that everyone would hate playing against. And I truly think like great defenses have a couple of guys like that. And Witherspoon is a guy that could certainly add that to to green bay's roster and he fills again like i mentioned a need i think they need a slot corner i think he could play safety they certainly need one of those too i think he is the best fit in the secondary and that is above you know i know brian branch is a popular mock pick i don't think he's a safety i haven't seen him play a whole lot of safety i think he's a slot corner and i think witherspoon is better than him at that too um i'm not as high on branch as the like the consensus seems to be on that um and I, frankly, I know I said earlier that I don't really care about the thresholds and stuff like that um, when I have this conversation with you guys, but I don't think Branch is going to be a Packer. I don't, he's smaller, he's not as athletic, all that stuff that that typically goes into things Green Bay values. I don't think Branch can do that, but Witherspoon could be. Um, so I've got two more left for you guys. I got one and then a bonus. And since it's a day, like I said, it's a day off for me, I'll throw one extra guy to you guys. But the last one of my six pack is Ronnie Bell receiver from Michigan. I think he's a day three pick that is good at everything. Maybe not necessarily great at anything. And that's okay. When you pick a guy on the third day of the draft, I think, again, we have like a skewed outlook of what a good pick is of what a hit is on that. Like, for example, Rice Newman has had some rough moments as a Packer, but right now that is a good day three pick. He's shown some ability to start at guard. He has had good games as a starter at guard. Uh, Other example, like, Marquez Valdez Scantling, that is a great day three pick. Like there really are just kind of lottery tickets that you're taking some flyers on. John Runyon is a phenomenal day three pick. Even if he doesn't get a second contract, he started at guard for them long enough to do that. Um, you know, if they could get anything out of Rashid Walker or some of these other guys that they've taken in the third round or the third day, excuse me, the last couple of years, again. It, you don't have to be like this just star to be a good pick on the third day of the draft. Like if you're Jeff Janis is a great day three pick, never became anything at receiver and was an awesome special teamer. Tariq Carpenter is a guy who's intriguing to me and could be somebody that becomes a really good day three pick just based on his special teams prowess alone. And he did better in that phase of football last year. Ronnie Bell's a guy who has some ability and experience at returning punts. 
He is got a great story in terms of toughness uh, and overcoming uh, some adverse situations. He had a blown out uh, leg a year ago, came back this past year, played well, has strong hands, has some things that he certainly needs to work on. That's why he's a day three pick. He is smaller. He's not the fastest player. I think he's a guy who could play that slot for Green Bay. Um, I don't think you want him like as your primary option in that, but if he's like one of your secondary slot options, you certainly like that possibility. Again, good at everything, maybe not great at anything. And if you can get that guy in the fifth or the sixth round, you love that. You'll take that all day long and twice on Sundays. My bonus pick is my choice of breaking of the third round draft pick curse. So I have the chosen one here for that. Uh, I have stated that until further notice, my rule for third round picks is that you either are trading them for veterans, trading them back to get more fourth round picks, or using that pick to move up in the earlier rounds. If you are using that pick, it is for a running back. And the reason I say that is because that is a position, it's just so hard to not outplay to be a bust as a running back. Like it, it really is. It's difficult to do that. So my choice for that is Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Uh, another one of those guys, maybe he's good at everything and not great at anything, but I feel like he's a three down back. The Packers are looking for some insurance for AJ Dillon. They could be looking for some insurance for Aaron Jones. Both of those guys could be in their last seasons in green Bay. So it'll be interesting to see know how the Packers attacked that in, in the past. You know, obviously they took A.J. Dillon when they had Jones and Jamal Williams, famously. Uh, Jones stayed, Williams didn't, Dillon's here. I don't know if they're going to give A.J. Dillon a second contract. Uh, they've kept Aaron Jones around long enough, and Jones I think is somebody that they view as important in developing Jordan Love into this next era of Packers football. And he's a team captain. So, like, from a locker room standpoint, there's certainly something to be valued there. Uh, with Aaron Jones. And I think that is something that they do value, but Charbonnet, again, like I mentioned, good at everything, not necessarily great at anything. He's effective in the open field, good contact balance and a functional receiver. And that's something that the Packers have valued with their running backs. Um, I don't think any, like the guys on the practice squad, Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson, both of those guys are fine, but I don't want either one of them to be in a spot where they're my second running back on the roster. Um, you know, I, I don't think you're in a good position if that is something you end up in. If they're your third guy and the other guy stashed in the practice squad, I think that's a good spot. But right now, yeah, I think the Packers are going to invest some capital, not necessarily a first or second round pick or anything like that. But I think that if they go by my rule and pick a running back in the third round, I think Charbonnet is that guy. I appreciate you guys stopping by and letting me chat with you today. Uh, follow the show on Twitter. It's at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. And like I mentioned, check out that Green Bay draft guide. You can go find my pinned tweet there on Twitter. 899, 225 plus profiles on the Green Bay Packers. And that is catered to the Packers. So you care about athletic thresholds and you really want to know like, hey, whether this dude will be a Packer or not, we write about that. And we have that stuff taken into account as we tell you how they're going to fit in Green Bay. And we have every position from quarterback all the way down to punter. Check it out for $8.99. That's what, a cup of skinny vanilla latte with no foam to use Mike McCarthy's ism from America's game. That might be about what it costs. I don't know. I don't I don't drink at Starbucks, but um, it's less than a lunch. You know, for less than a lunch, give us a shot. Check it out. If you don't uh, want to go to my pin tweet, Google Gum Road Green Bay Draft Guide. Gum, like chewing gum, road, like what you drive on. Green Bay Draft Guide. Check us out. I appreciate you guys for stopping and listening to me. 
Give us a rate, a subscription, all that good stuff, and listen to the Pack a Day podcast every single day, both audio and Andy Herman on the video. He'll be back tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.